everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Reaction Therapy Podcast. I am Tom Stevens, your resident psychotherapist, here with Nick Stevens to do another episode. Nick, I am pumped. We get to talk about some mental health. Yeah, going to do a mental health topic today. So you know our three main focuses on the Reaction Therapy Podcast, artist interviews, mental health topics, and artist deep dives as well. So it's a mental health topic. It's, it's going to be deep. It's so much like I'm loving the artist interviews we know, get. We've so been fun. so fortunate to be able to have contact and connection. We have more coming more down the sure. line that are going to be shockers and really cool things to do. Yep. But between the artist interviews and then doing kind of our own research into documentaries and deep dives into artists and the mental health topics, it's like there's not enough time. There isn't enough time. Uh, I wish, I mean, we could put out a podcast every day with some with the, how much content we're trying to do. So um, can't get to everything, but we're going to try. Give us your comments and tell us what you want to see on this podcast because we would love your opinion. This actually is kind of something that a lot of people have wanted us to talk about today. So definitely we listen to you and we're going to do whatever you want for the podcast. So a mental health deep dive today. If you want to know how to recognize, how to notice, how to fix potentially issues you've got with relationships or life or jobs or finances or mental health, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. So today, like you said, mental health deep dive. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we just dive in? I'm ready to dive in. You're okay. I'm ready. We're we got a lot packed into this. We're skipping the intro. We're going right into the topic of the day. Today's Let's topic of the day, mental health deep dive. We're going over the big three. I think that's probably what we're going to title this, but the big three with anxiety, depression, and trauma, the three things that I think the most people in today's world are dealing with. There's a lot of different things going around the world right now that people are dealing with these things. And we want to, we get questions all the time from, from y'all, from other people that I'm sure you in your office as well with a lot of people just dealing with these things. And how do I, how do I get better from this? How do I get, how do I get, how do, how do I become less anxious? What, what do I do about this trauma? So we're going to try to dive into this and you're going to have to give a lot of advice and I'll give whatever advice I can do. Yeah, your job is to ask the key questions yeah, to prompt fact. me to talk about them, yep. right? So I there I don't have statistics on the biggest mental health issues or disorders or topics that are out there, but I'll tell you the big three that I know every day in my office. See, I feel a lot more comfortable in my a lot more comfortable in my office because mm -hmm. I'm working with people. Mm -hmm. I get questions and comments all the time on Instagram, on YouTube through email calls to my office, honestly, yeah. from people who are really struggling in life. And I can't always give information. This is our chance to do that. This is our outlet. The biggest three things that I see happening in the world mental health wise have to do with depression, anxiety, and trauma. So those are big umbrella terms, but they are different and they affect people differently. And some people can have a mixing of all three. Yeah. Like you can have anxiety and depression because of a trauma, you know, and so you want to be able to look at each of these separately today so you can see what the difference is between depression, anxiety and trauma. And then I want to be able to give you kind of like why things happen the way that they do mm. when we get stuck in life, uh, how to diagnose it and how to treat it and what you can do moving forward to get this stuff erased. So it's kind of like the how, the why, and the what. 
uh, that I want to talk about today. So anxiety, depression, and trauma, whatever order, Nick, I'll let you decide that. But those are really the biggest three. If you've ever had an issue with anxiety, if you've ever struggled with depression, if you've ever been through a specific trauma that doesn't necessarily even have PTSD tied to it, but it was mm -hmm. a trauma, like a car accident that you know happened a long time ago, you'd be shocked at how those things affect our daily life and our decision-making, our relationships, our jobs, everything else. So here we go. All right. Uh, we're going to start with anxiety. I feel like we're going to go in alphabetical order, too, because I feel like starting with anxiety is kind of the best place to start because I feel like it's hard to have depression or trauma without some anxiety. Yeah. I feel, and I feel like everybody has anxiety to an extent, um, some worse than others, obviously, but anxiety is kind of the root. I feel like, and then after, after anxiety comes, you have depression and trauma. So we'll start with anxiety. You know, what's wild about that too. I think there's more anxiety in today's world than ever before. You didn't grow up when I did, but if you go back <laughs> into the seventies and eighties yeah, and even nineties, when I started being a therapist, I believe with the advent of technology in our world, just technology period, it doesn't even have to be social media. That's its own beast. But yeah. once computers start getting integrated into the world, which mm -hmm. allowed people to have connection with the world and to be on 24 seven, that I think changed. And it's same with TV. Like TV used to be very simple. You know, five channels you'd have on your TV. It was very basic. It wasn't even on 24 hours a day. Yeah. So you had commercials, you had, now, no all, commercials, all the time. everything's fast forward, change of channel, switch, flip. I think technology has increased anxiety in our world in a bad way. And so mm. it's made people, uh, and anxiety is not even like crippling all the time. It's just, I'm just kind of hopped up a little bit. And if you ever see people in an elevator, in a waiting room, <laughs> At a stoplight, yeah. they pull out their phone. Yeah, you see it all the time. We've talked about we talked about that in a podcast before the elevator whole thing, which I had an example when I I remember being in an elevator and I've been the person to pull out my phone and I've seen other people pull out their <laughs> phone too. And I really now when I go into elevators, I'm a lot more conscious about don't pull out your phone, just be, yeah. stay off of it and see what happens. You know, and even in our own home with all four of us here, yeah. we have moments of times where we sit and it's kind of family time. And we consciously try to 100%. not have any yeah. technology. And there's moments of quiet, right? There's moments of just sitting and to learn to be still. You know what we train parents to do of young toddlers, two, three, four years old, is to have, uh, you want to have snack time, you want to have rest time, you want to have play outside time, you want to have coloring time, but you also want to have rest, uh, mm. quiet time. And the quiet time is like everybody stay in their spot in kind of the living room or game room, get a coloring book, <clears throat> get a toy, and just be able to kind of hang and live. I'll read a magazine and sit, lay on the couch, you sit on the floor, and everybody just learn to contain themselves. And Nick, there's so much anxiety in the world today that people just don't stop. If you ever sit on a beach, you ever sit remote in the mountains, you ever get to a place that is still mm -hmm. you will notice over time the anxiety starts to settle it's like our friends who have the place in alaska we went to last summer when you get to a place yeah. that they don't even actually have a tv in their home up there that we yeah, went to so <laughs> you just sit and we would talk or we would look out into the the great outdoors and we would hike and anxiety just starts to settle so anxiety sure. gets higher the more that we bring things in. It's almost like overloading your phone or your computer. 
the more that you put data in, the more potential we have for anxiety. And the problem with that is it's so normal. Like it's a part of our world. And so anxiety is just kind of, yeah, I got anxiety. Yeah. The trouble is we don't do enough about it. So we don't. when we look at the why does anxiety happen, it happens because we get flooded. So anxiety happens because either we're younger, it could be an adult too, but when we get flooded with too much, too many stressful things or too much pressure coming from the outside, uh, too many expectations or loud voices when kids are younger, people yelling at you, uh, fear states you get put in. But even as an adult, like expectations of too much at work, Anytime we get flooded, that's where anxiety kind of creeps in. Yeah. And when you look at the how does it show itself, it typically shows itself through our coping skills, which are being fidgety or pulling out phones or trying to find something else to do or a, an addiction mm. that we get uh, hooked into because we need to do something with our hands or our minds or our bodies or whatever. So it's the coping skills that are developed. And usually with anxiety, it's things that we think help us settle down. Yeah. You notice like people who smoke cigarettes, I know I'm blaming people who smoke cigarettes, but if you smoke cigarettes, I've never met a person who smokes cigarettes that said, this is the best tasting thing I've ever had in my life. You know what they do? They're like, it's a terrible tasting thing, but I gotta have it. Yeah, it's, and it's it addicting. calms them, right? Not really. For the moment. Yeah. So what do you need after that? More and more and more. And that's- So that it doesn't cure the, the anxiety. Yeah. So anxiety leads to addiction a lot of times. It is a true. lot of times. Um, I thought it was interesting, a couple points, because you went on a long rant there. So I had a lot of thoughts running through my head. But um, the first thing, when you brought up the beach, how like usually like at a beach or stuff like mm -hmm. that, even at the beach now, like when we're yeah. on vacation, even at the beach, people are, and we do it too. I mean, we play music. And which is sometimes a good thing. Like, yeah, I think that music can be can a really be good thing. Relaxing, but also people just sit just there and surf their phone without on their at phone. The um, people are running all over the place, which is good to get energy out sometimes. And that actually, I think, could relieve anxiety to get in energy out by running around. But there's a lot of potential distractions at, at even a beach. And so it really is um, interesting how just everywhere you go, it feels like there's something. When we went to Alaska this summer, though, it really was a time where I'm like, man, this is like so somewhere where I've never been before, yeah. where there's like just no TVs in the house at all. There's nature. We hardly saw anybody unless we like went and drove out somewhere. But if we were just around the house, I mean, no real neighbors yeah. nearby. Like it was crazy. To I would see wake that. up and in the morning. I'd awesome. sit on their patio, <clears throat> look out over the water in the lake that was out there and just sit and listen to the birds and look at the trees. We'd go on hikes, we'd go fishing, we'd go paddle boarding. We would sit on a pier and fish and talk mm -hmm. to each other. Uh, we do so many things that were just regular life. You know, the one time recently in the last few years that I felt like back to normal was when we had the freeze here in Texas. <laughs> that for two straight 48 yeah, hours, tough. I think we had no power and it was about 20 degrees or less. And in our house, it, I think it was 45 degrees in our house. And I had to turn the stove on to get some heat because we had no electricity or anything. You know, all we could do was sit bundled up in our coats. You were at school, but we could sit bundled up in our coats and play games or talk to each other. And we did that. And it was the simplest life you've ever imagined. And stress was gone because you couldn't connect to anybody. 
don't know if you had that at school. I was a very, very, very different experience because I I was in snow during that time. It was snowing where I was, but it was really fun because school was canceled. And so it was a lot of the same thing. I mean, a lot of people still could, you know, sit on their phones and play video games or whatever. But a lot of the time you would wake up. Like I remember waking up. All right, let's go play in the snow. Like let's, let's go, um, we had there was a big hill on my campus that people would go to the top of and then slide down on like yeah like pieces of cardboard or whatever mm-hmm. we would slide down on um snowball fight like like that was even that was yeah. a time where there was were moments for sure where you know there was vegetation and not much movement yeah. but there's a lot of times where it was really fun so yeah, that that's that's part of that's the healthy way i feel like to combat anxiety is to have to get your energy out to have fun put your phone away put electronics away Mm -hmm. and actually talk to people yeah like in real life yeah that's kind of the what piece so the why piece and anxiety why it happens because we get flooded just remember that the basics if you're ever feeling anxious just think what's flooding me what is pressing in on me and pouring into me that i can't cope with and then the uh how that i talk about is how does it manifest itself is typically in our coping skills. So you look at how am I dealing with my anxiety? Am I oversleeping? Am I overeating? Am I into some kind of addictive state or compulsive state? Am I fidgety with things? Am I restless? Uh, Has my sleep pattern gotten off? There's all kinds of things with the how. It usually is our coping skills. And then the what do we do about it? Nick was talking about, you go back to basics. We talk about it, balance keeps me stable. The basics of eating, sleep, and exercise movement you go back to basics, like he said. You simplify life. Don't put as many things in your schedule. Don't put, don't fill as much in on your day. Go for a walk. Sit and try to read a book. A great man in my life once told me, you know, when I feel stressed out, I get in the longest line at the store. Mm. I don't cut through parking lots to try to get a shortcut to get through a stoplight because it's backed up. Man, he purposely <laughs> slows himself down. Yeah. Mm-hmm because it makes you breathe a little bit. But just like Nick said, go back to basics. Yeah, I feel like everybody, like you were mentioning, like everybody tries to find the shortest line. They try to cut corners. And I mean, that's, I feel like that is a big reason why anxiety is so big is because everybody, everybody now in the world is like, it's the quickest direction possible. And it's very fast. Like, I feel like when, whenever like we drive out somewhere and we're in a store or we're in a restaurant, everything is like, like super fast and it's like just everybody calm down like slow down like why are we moving so fast like and i feel like it's because there's only a certain amount of time in a day we want to get as much done each day as we can to feel productive but that just makes us more anxious what about people i wanted to ask this before we go Mm -hmm. on to depression but what about people who would say like my work like my job is like so like i need to be there all the time and I feel like there's no time to just sit and relax and read yeah, a book. Like, it's a great point. What about people like that? Because there are a lot of people that work a lot. That's a really good point that people will say, I am stuck in this situation. I'm dealing with a teenager that's struggling with this. I'm dealing with you know, a job situation that's that or a living situation that's that or a marriage that's mm-hmm. this, family that's that. If somebody's stuck in it, what I always say is, okay, at least be aware of that. And don't worry about changing anything drastically right now. So this isn't about just cancel everything. Quitting your job, yeah. Yes, it is not about that. It's about 
when you can get to a point to have some space and freedom, what will you do? So, so many people are drowning, Nick, and they're like, I just, I, you don't understand. I'm in the middle of all this. And so they stay in it. Yeah. But if you can plan, if you're broke right now and have no money, but if you can dream, plan, and and look forward into the future at a time where you could save just a little bit of money, you have to be prepared for when that happens. So I always tell people in that spot, okay, then leave it as it is right now and tell me two things. Number one, when you can get to a place to have some freedom, what are you going to do about it? And we'll talk through that, like your daily habits, how you can break, have some breaks in the day with your job, how you can create better boundaries and communication skills. But the second piece is what can you do now outside of this job to help you? How can you go home and instead of going home and vegetating in front of a screen uh, and looking at social media, go for a 15 minute walk. So I teach people to go home and immediately have their tennis shoes by the door to where they change into the tennis shoes and they just go for a walk, even in their work clothes. They just go for a 15 minute walk. You'd be shocked at how you pull yourself away from social media or technology when you're away from work, how you get yourself to sleep at an earlier hour and you're like, but I'm getting home at nine o'clock at night, go to bed at 10. (laughs) You'd be shocked. If you can preserve sleep, if you can have balanced eating, and if you can have regular movement, how your mental health will be affected. So I tell people, if you're overloaded, don't try to change everything now. Plan for the future. When you can change it, what would it look like? If you could change it today, what would it look like? And number three, what's a little thing right now you can plug in or stop or change that would help you do life better? And you don't realize how flexible you can be because if any of us got a call right now, that a loved one was going to the hospital because they'd been in a bad car accident. We would drop what we're doing. We would drop this podcast and we would move out the door because we can do it. And it doesn't mean do that all the time, but we can find 30 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour to just to feed ourselves something healthy. That's what it's about. I think, and I'm, I'm not going to go offside or off, off track a whole lot, but I did that brought up a good point. Um, and I'm going to bring this up later as well, but the whole NFL situation that happened, I don't know, yeah. however many weeks, months ago when this is coming out, but the whole DeMar it Hamlin like thing hasn't happened. Yeah. That before. has, hasn't ever happened before. It was very similar to what you said. Like when that happened immediately, it was different. Like there was no, they weren't going to resume that game. Yeah. Like that, like it's so crazy how, like if when life really gets down to the nitty gritty of like life or death yeah. or, really important things like that's going to take over our anxiety. Yeah. I feel like life can go on. We can stop. And if I pulled anybody out of their job right now, uh, they would feel immediately, immediately relief. Yeah. And that's why vacations are so good, right? When you work for a living and you go on a vacation, you really appreciate younger people can't as much. Yeah. But when you do work for a living and you pay for a vacation and you take a break from work, you do feel that relief yeah, from those totally. things. And it was relieving once they stopped that game and said, it's not about the game anymore. And everybody just settled. It's okay. It's fine. Life goes on. It'll all be okay. Yeah. That's a good example. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to depression now. We're going to go a little quicker through this because this is like, a long time on AI, I know it but... feels very sad and, and it's like depressing uh, yeah. topics. 
But I live in this every day. I love talking yeah. about this because I want people to have tools and awareness that maybe they hadn't had before. So when it comes to depression, obviously we talk about that a lot. And people say I'm depressed a lot. Remember, you can be depressed without being clinically diagnosed with depression. Those are very different things. And most people aren't clinically diagnosed with depression. They have depressive things that happen. Work is is hard for me. It's overwhelming. I'm getting yelled at or projects are getting put on me. You know, my marriage is not going good. I'm struggling with things with my family. I have financial issues and I feel like I just can't get, you know, up and out of it. And so I, I'm, I feel like I grew up getting mistreated or getting abused or getting harmed. People tell me stories about all of this and it creates depression. So depression comes in when that cloud, you remember the first thing with anxiety, we talked about things just kind of pressing in on you and flooding you. The depression mm -hmm. is kind of the cloud thing where it just keeps raining. And emotionally it keeps raining. Like things keep happening that say, you're not good enough. You're not gonna, you don't deserve it. Uh, it'll always be this way. Those, those kind of belief systems in our mind that, that usually come from earlier in life. Depression isn't typically something that just all of a sudden pops in on a 30 year old when it was never there before. It can because of a death, because of a traumatic situation mm -hmm. like losing a job, because of a breakup that happens. But typically everybody's experienced depression at some point mm -hmm. in their life. The key there is to notice what is the cloud over my head? Like what is it steadily that's happening? And the way to do that is ask yourself, what belief do I have about myself or life right now that I'm not paying attention to? I'm not good enough. I'm not going to make it. It will always be this way. I'll always be alone. Uh, I don't, I'm not strong enough to get out of it. You notice how those aren't feelings. Those are beliefs. Beliefs are, that is truth. Yeah. Feelings are, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm miserable. But the brain actually has beliefs in it that create the depression. So when yeah. we believe it's always going to be this way, uh, I don't deserve it, I'm not good enough, I'm going to be alone, that kind of thing, it manifests in life. So why does it happen? Usually because of the cloud over our head. The cloud mm -hmm. over our head is an experience or a situation or a relationship or an event that's happened that has stayed over our head repeatedly. Like... You could be treated one way as a child and now have a have a spouse or a boss or a coworker that treats you the same way and that cloud can stay yeah. with you. So ask yourself what the cloud is. That's the why does it happen because mm -hmm. of the cloud. Then there's the how. How does it show itself? And you could probably feed into some of this just with friends you've known and situations you've been in. Yeah. The how is usually in your behavior, which Definitely. usually is what? isolation it's is not usually happy thing. joyful you can see depressed people that are happy think of like yeah. robin williams a comedian who was so funny to so many people but you don't see him behind the scenes yeah. right he wasn't acting that way at home all the time but go ahead do your, i don't know i feel like do your how. the biggest thing with friends i've had and people i've seen that when they are really depressed they isolate themselves that's the biggest thing i've seen and i'm sure there's more to that but Usually when you're depressed, you don't really want to be around anybody because you just feel like they're going to tear you down because um, depressed people usually don't have a very good image of themselves. And so they'll isolate themselves and say, I'm the only person that I can be around right now. I don't want to have I don't even want to have the chance to have somebody mm -hmm. make fun of me. Well, and let's do the flip side of that. You know, you can feel very self-conscious, like you said, and you can also tell yourself what does it matter anyway? Like nothing I go do is going to make me happier. Mm -hmm. Like, 
So why go out to a game or an event or to a social thing? Because it's not going to do any good. So you do have the self-conscious, like everybody sees me and how much, how terrible I am or how, you know, nobody wants to be with me. Those self-defeating things. Mm -hmm. And then you also have the, you know, people invite you to something. It's like, I got to do any good. Like, why would I go to that? Yeah. But it it all, I think, leads back to like not wanting to be around people. Yeah. And uh, which is not a good place to be. Actually (laughs) makes depression worse. Makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. You ever talk to people, like when I talk to people dealing with depression and say they drink alcohol as well, let's just take alcohol because alcohol is a depressant. Okay. (laughs) So it is actually a thing that will depress your system. But people will yeah. still be depressed and want to go drink because temporarily it alleviates. Yeah. And that's the same thing, the addiction thing, like with anxiety, depression, the same way. When people, when you get depressed, um, addiction is a big thing because you feel like that thing, that thing is not, you know, it can be a person, I guess, in some instances, but a lot yeah. of times it's a substance that you have, which can't talk back to you. It's mm-hmm. just for you. Yeah. And it's the ultimate be, best be, friend. That can be food, that can be drugs, that can be alcohol, that can be a lot of things. And most so. of the time, it's because they want to feel better. It yeah. is the thing I think that will help me. It can be any of those substances or any of those things or any of those behaviors. And we think that makes us feel better. It can be even be the extreme of exercise. People can be addicted to sure. exercising. Yeah. And they put everything else in their life aside to make sure they exercise and they have to do it more and more and more and more. And they actually don't feel good enough about themselves unless they do. So when these addictive coping skills come in, like that's how they show themselves in isolating, in irritability, in uh, retreating from life. It's very rare that it shows itself in happiness. Yeah. So you'll see people isolating or you'll see them more down. You'll see them disconnecting and detaching more, which is really hard to pull them out of. Yeah. And then obviously the what do we do about that kind of thing? It's to manage your coping skills again. Mm. Like, how am I coping with my depression? What am yeah. I doing to feed the depression? And if it's any kind of addictive compulsive behavior, it's almost always temporary. Mm. Like it'll last for a little bit and yeah. then tomorrow... You're going to need it again. Yeah, true. Um, one thing I'm going to say, which I, I don't want to be controversial. This is my opinion. Y'all believe what you want to believe. But in my experience with people I've known, myself, different things, I've seen a lot of people that deal with depression. Most of the time, they don't have any faith in anything. They usually are. They care about what other people think. And for me, and my belief system, I believe that having a faith in a higher power, higher being, yeah. God, whatever you want to say, um, is really important because mm-hmm. a lot of times in that instance, it doesn't matter what other people think. Like it's you and the higher power. That's in my yeah. opinion. And like I said, I'm not pushing that on anybody. That's just and my 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 experience, my opinion. That is so important. I just yeah. wanted to I'm wanted to make sure I said that. Well, the go-to a therapist would say myself when I'm with people, because I see people like typically once a week, right? When they're not with me, where do they, yeah. what do they lean on? And so I'm not always there with them. I see mm-hmm. them once a week. We can message back and forth, but I'm not there with them. And so 
many people come into my office who are depressed, they do lean on me and our relationship and what I offer to them as a yeah. source of inspiration and strength. That's good. 12-step programs are that way. You yeah. lean on that program as a source of strength. And I think what Nick's saying is, if you don't have anything outside of yourself that you lean on, that you really have full faith in, especially when it comes to God, then you are ultimately just here alone on your mm -hmm. by yourself. And if you lean on other people as your source of strength, eventually they're going to let you down because they're human. Like we're human people. You lean on me, I'm going to let you down. I'm not going to be there when you need me at some point. I'm going to say something yeah. that might be offended, offended, you might be offended by, and I don't mean to, but we're human. Mm -hmm. So what Nick's saying is you got to, what's helped him, and it's helped me too, having a relationship with God and realizing, oh, I'm not in this just by myself. I can actually do something for God and live life for God and appreciate that somebody's got my back here. It is tremendously, it gives a lot of hope. Yeah. So it's very hard, but if you are struggling, you find strength wherever you get it, whether it's a 12 step meeting, whether it's therapy, whether it's a support group, whether it's friends, whether it's family, what it can be anywhere. It can be in podcast, yeah. but you find strength somewhere else and guidance somewhere else. Otherwise, the coping still. How many artists have we listened to who have talked about climbing to the top and meeting their dreams only to be completely miserable? A lot. How many athletes get to the top, win a championship only to say, that's it? Like, unless I win another championship, it's kind of kind of be depressing, right? Yeah. When you win a championship and then all of a sudden your team loses year after year. Like, dang, that was, that was very short-lived. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, I mean, not to say that playing a sport or something is an addiction, but, like, when you have that moment, then you're like, I just got to do it again to make me feel this way again. Artists have talked Crazy. a lot about that. You know, NF's talked about being at the top, having a number one hit, and being totally depressed. The Suicide Boys have talked about, you know, the opposite way of, like, doing year after year of music and never getting recognized or the attention or or having it heard the way they wanted it to ready to just end it all and be done with it because they just felt like it wasn't worth it so we've seen both ends of the spectrum but yeah. all of them lead and come from depression and the depression mm -hmm. is oh i was looking to this thing That's, for my source it doesn't satisfy you which was the success which was the fame which was the attention and when any of them say oh no it's about how i live life whether i'm a quality human being whether i have relationships with people whether I find joy, then all of a sudden they do. So the mm -hmm. what there is measuring your coping skills, measuring your relationships with people in life, and whether or not you're trying to live life with a purpose rather than just to be fed something. Depression's tough it because tough. it can stay for a while and you have to, the, the key to getting out of depression is activity. And that doesn't mean going on a walk is going to fix depression, but it is going to help the symptoms so that you yeah. can be more clear-minded. So the key to getting out of depression is movement, activity, and a plan, a strategy moving forward, not sitting still. And other people. Other people are huge. Relationships. They're, they're massive. And trying to cure any kind of addiction or mental health issue, relationships are huge. And not, not toxic ones either. Right. I'll make that clear. But how much of the time do we talk to people with reaction therapy? And it's like, wow, I feel better talking 
to so many people. It's so much yeah. fun. It makes my life better. But when we're depressed, it's like we just go away. Yeah. And we hide. True. All right. Last one. Trauma. Man. Very tough. Trauma is very tough as well. <laughs> trauma, which can come in many buckets. Y'all have to remember this. We used to think of trauma as like a plane crash scenario, right? A horrific event that's yeah. happened, which it can be. But traumas are on a, a spectrum. Like traumas go all the way from, you know, uh, somebody yelled at me in a restaurant to I got in a car accident to uh, I saw uh, the football thing you talked about where the guy gets injured mm. on TV and I'm not even a part of it. Or 9-11, the September 11, 2001, to watch those planes crash into a building and watch people die. You can watch events, school shootings. What You can watch these events and it's like, it kind of is, it jars your system. Now, a trauma doesn't mean PTSD. A trauma could be, I was in a car accident, but I'm driving my car again. Yeah, It's just that I'm a little bit more careful right now. Or when I go through that intersection where the accident happened, I kind of, you know, I tense up a little bit. Those don't mean full-blown PTSD like somebody goes to the Middle East and fights in a war and they see people die right in front of them and they come back and they're always afraid. They hear a helicopter above or a car backfire and they're thinking they're back in the Middle East. It doesn't always have to be that. So it's yeah. on a spectrum. And the typical why that they happen is because there is a jarring incident mm. that changes their life. A trauma can be you found out your parents are getting a divorce. A trauma can be somebody abused you. A trauma can be somebody held you up at gunpoint. A trauma can be a car accident. A trauma can be, you know, all of a sudden losing your job. So there could be a ton of different things. But on that spectrum, you have to know when did this happen? You ever drive your car and it goes out of alignment, you know, and you don't know your car is actually out of alignment until you drive fast enough, like on a freeway (laughs) to feel it pull. And most of the time that car went out of alignment because of a bump somewhere that maybe you didn't even notice. And you've been months driving this car Mm. and now all of a sudden realize, you know what it does? It wears the tires out. And then you have to replace the tires way sooner than normal. So that trauma can be like a car going out of alignment. It still drives, it's fine. But it's not like a car crash where all of a sudden your car now won't drive unless it's a big trauma, okay? So there's big T trauma and little T trauma. And the big ones are where your car is totaled now and you're going to have to get a new car. The little T's are like, it's still drivable, but you feel the pulling and it's like, this doesn't feel right. Like I can't let go of the steering wheel. So traumas like that, that's the why they happen. And then the, the how they uh, show themselves, it's again, you talk about coping skills, but it is in how we avoid situations that trauma started from. If it's in... A relationship, we avoid relationship. If it's in a car accident, we avoid that place Mm. where we were in that accident. If it's uh, somebody yelling at us, we avoid getting in a situation where somebody's going to yell at us anymore. Go ahead, Nick. I just babbled. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, I think it's three very different um, topics, but all similar. I can't say that word. I knew I was going to have to say that Mm. word. Similar. Similar. Um, things about them because, you know, anxiety and depression have to do with, you know, getting out and actually having relationships with people. Trauma is not avoiding those things because if you, I feel like if you do avoid those things and not saying like you want, you know, if you saw someone get shot, you don't want to purposely go to see somebody get shot. Like it's not Mm -hmm. about that, but it's about 
being in those situations and knowing that it's not going to happen like that all the time. Like that was maybe a one-time thing and it's not like it's going to have, I don't know, maybe I'm off and most of the time we can't do that ourselves. Yeah. Tell ourselves that because remember the brain, it is very clever. It's very smart. So when we experience a trauma like that, our brain says, remember difference from feelings and feelings and belief. It says, I'm going to die. I am in danger. This is going to happen again. Notice those are beliefs. So if it's in there, it's very hard to say, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because your brain's already saying, you don't get it, dude. It's going to happen again. You're going to die. You're going to be in a dangerous situation. And you have to be able to get professional help for this. This is when traumas happen. It doesn't mean because you're in a car accident, you need therapy. But if you're in a car accident, like I saw this boy forever ago who was in a car accident, his car flipped over on the freeway. And they had to pull him out. And they were fine, but it was scary, right? Yeah. And when he came in to see me, like, he would not even get in a car. Period. End of story. He's like 10 or 11. Wouldn't get in a car. By the time we started doing treatment, and as it went on, he would get in a car. But he wouldn't drive on the freeway. He would tell his parents, you are not driving on that freeway. Mm. And then over time, a little bit more treatment, he would get on the freeway, but he would not go to that freeway that they went on with the accident. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he actually did. So took a phases of treatment. But the key is don't just avoid whatever the trauma was the rest of your life. You have to be able to face it, look at it. And that's why we do EMDR. That's what it's about. Bilateral stimulation of the brain paired with going back through that traumatic experience and it desensitizes the brain to it. So if somebody's held at gunpoint, in a grocery store parking lot, never going to that grocery store again is not going to like mm. make it go away. But it doesn't mean you want to force yourself into fear all the time. Get help for it yeah. so you can desensitize the brain and go back to the store. So when when I'm truly like, I'm trying to think about this because when I was saying what I was saying, I wasn't totally making sense in my brain. So like when you say to like not shy away from, how do you say it? To not like shy away from going just, back. Yeah, not avoid or it. Not avoiding yeah. it. How is that possible if like that thing might not ever happen again? Like how how do you not is it just the place it was happened? Like, for example, this football injury to yeah. Mar Hamlet. It's very it's very likely that that will not happen yeah. in these players' lives. Like yeah. they won't ever see that again. So how does that work? Like, how do you not avoid that situation if it's not going to happen? To players, you you have to realize in their brain, the belief that gets registered, not with all, some of those players on the field are completely unaffected. That doesn't mean yeah. they're cold and unfeeling. It just means it, it wasn't a trauma to them. Some were tremendously affected. And you know what's going to happen? Their brain's going to tell them what? It is going to happen again. I am in danger. What if I get hit like that? What if I hit somebody like that? So the next game they play, it's very hard to go full strength. It's very hard to have full confidence. And I think of the guy that actually ran into him when this happened. And I'm wondering, how does he go to the next game and try to run right through somebody? Because that's what you do in football without thinking about that. And so the key to it is your brain's automatically going to think about it. You have to be able to get help which allows you to go through this and desensitize the brain to it. That's what treatment is. If you just talk about it, many times it'll exacerbate it. But Make sometimes it yeah. I've actually talked to people in situations like that. And just from talking about it, they feel better. Hmm. I've had police officers who've talked about really violent, intense situations they've had. 
And just through talking about it, they feel alleviated and they feel less tied down to the trauma. So I don't automatically say anything. I just like to meet with people and talk about it. But you have to go back in. If you get in a plane crash and you survive, but you never fly on a plane again, it's not the end of the world. Let's say you never have to fly on a plane again. The question is, what about situations you feel like you might be in danger? Okay, You're always looking for what might happen next that's going to put you in danger. That's what I mean. The sound of somebody's voice, the temperature in the room, the song on the radio, the, the area, area of town. Yeah, or where you were. It, there's so many triggers that happen that you have to pay attention to. What are the triggers that are happening? That's usually the key component to me mm. with trauma. What triggers you? Is it a certain situation, a certain place that you go to? Is it a sound? Is it somebody, the look of somebody? Is it uh, the feeling you get? You know, the temperature outside? There's so many different ways. But when you deal with trauma, if somebody says, man, I've just had some trauma that's happened, what triggers you then? And it's not always the obvious. Mm -hmm. Then we deal with the triggers and we try mm -hmm. to de-escalate some of those triggers and know yeah. that I'm going to have the triggers again. I'm going to be at places or hear voices or see things or feel things. Uh, football players, I'm going to play again. But how do I play without yeah. that thing affecting me? Interesting. Yeah, I remember the one time I had a big trauma was when I got into my one and only car accident that I've been in. Yeah. And um, I, I just thought of it like I drive by that spot almost every day at this mm -hmm. point. Like I keep like that was the road I drive on a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I'm okay now. Like I, it took me like probably it happened, I don't know, five years ago or whatever. Yeah. But when I, when, um, I, for the first couple of years, like I would like, remember, I'd be like, man, I can't, yeah. <laughs> but, and, but still to this day, I have not listened to that song that was on the radio. Yeah. When interesting, I still haven't listened to it since then. I've just said, I'm not listening to that song again. Isn't which, that interesting? I, I mean, I don't know if that's learning a lesson here today. So like. I don't know if that's really the trauma or if it's just like, I don't want to listen to that song because it might make me think, yeah. I don't know. But the fact that I can drive through that intersection mm -hmm. means I feel like I'm okay, yeah. but it's just weird. I just thought about that. Yeah. Still haven't. I don't even remember what the song was to be honest. That's very interesting. Yeah. So it's similar to me working with a gymnast. I've worked with a lot of high level athletes. So I had this gymnast who was tumbling in the gym and tumbling backwards several times, you know, and actually a baby, not a baby, but a toddler, like a two-year-old or something, one-year-old, I think it was a one-year-old, was crawling out there on the mat and the, the gymnast hit the baby. Baby's fine. It was okay. It wasn't the end of the world. The yeah. tumbler just fell over and the baby started crying and they took the baby off. Baby was fine. This gymnast couldn't do gym anymore. Couldn't do gymnastics. And so they came to me and even though everybody's out of the gym, there's mm. nobody else here. When she would try to tumble backwards, Man. she couldn't do it. Because the belief system says... I'm going to hit a baby again. Or it's I'm gonna it's kind of like you with that song. If you yeah. heard that song again, you're going to be right back in that accent. Even though you know you're not, you could sit here and I could play the song. Yeah, It would still bring the feelings back of that incident. And that's what you want to avoid. So yeah. that's why people have mm. coping skills with trauma of addiction again that feed into this you know you've got yeah. relationship issues that feed into this we talked about you've got your professional life that you feed into like where are you at 
where you want to be life in life professionally yeah. or not. And sometimes we stunt ourselves to keep mm -hmm. ourselves from getting there. All right. Um, so this, this next topic, I just want to let everybody know, uh, will be on the extra episode. I just realized, um, time is awesome. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so this, this little so extra episode fun. that's going to happen in a few seconds, um, go over, make sure you go to, um, subscribe on Patreon or to the YouTube members to see, um, this extra episode that comes out every Monday. So I'm going to cut and y'all will see the cut, but, uh, <laughs> so this extra, this extra part will be on the extra episode. All right, let's do a recap of the all three, um, uh, I don't know why I'm starting anxiety, depression, and trauma. Let's just do a recap. Anxiety is when there is stuff pressing in on you that there's too much data coming that you can't process it. It's like your phone that's on overload, right? There's just too much coming at you and you're overstimulated and you can't handle it. And typically that manifests itself through coping skills that we try to get ourselves to calm down, but they really don't. They're just short lived. Okay. And what to do about them. You want to be able to get, you got to get professional help in all these things. But depression usually is the cloud that's over your head that kind of follows you situation mm -hmm. after situation. It's like things keep knocking me down, like the waves yeah. in the ocean. If you ever get knocked down in the ocean and you get up and another wave comes and mm -hmm. knocks you down in another wave, yep. it's like that. It just keeps hitting me and the cloud yeah. keeps covering me. It's like a rainy day every day. Yeah. And it's like a weighted backpack that you're wearing. It's just heavy. I don't have the energy to get out and do. It makes us isolate. And the key yeah. to depression is getting out amongst people. And then lastly, the trauma is like a shock. It's like a taser, right? It hits your system instantly and it throws everything off to where you're always looking for when the next trauma is going to happen. So you're on hyper alert state and you have to be able to get help for that, especially EMDR. One thing I wanted to mention really quickly um, before we end is when you brought up the wave thing of depression, I actually was kind of like a, a student um, spiritual life leader at my college mm -hmm. for my dorm. And I did a devotional series and I called it waves. And I had dealt, uh, dealt with that where that same picture of like waves, when you get hit by a wave, yeah. you get back up, you get hit again. Mm -hmm. Just kind of that idea of like things people go through in yeah. life. It's like waves knocking you, knocking no you doubt. over. So I just thought that was interesting. Okay. So Very cool. Anything else you want to say for this main that podcast? Was it. That was a lot. I loved it. Never get enough of this topic and really appreciate everybody for hanging in there and watching. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said um, before, go watch the extra episodes. Patreon. We dive go in, check it out. Dive into some uh, very um, interesting stuff. So either join on YouTube or um, Patreon to see that. By the way, go see our Reaction Therapy podcast channel on YouTube. Which this is on. Yes. Love it. Oh, um, yeah. That's what this is on. Yeah, this 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 is the reaction therapy podcast. So I'm old. Uh, make sure you subscribe though if you haven't already. Okay, thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you on the next, next reaction therapy podcast. podcast.